0: Welcome to My Health and Safety, the podcast designed to bridge the gap between your personal and workplace wellness. I'm Tamara Masevich-Healy, a passionate health and safety professional who strives to help create a happier and healthier world. Workplace health and safety is simply a continuation of our personal health and safety, but we often feel powerless at work. You know, where we currently spend over a third of our life, Although it may feel hopeless to integrate the two, I'm here to challenge that it's very much within reach and is absolutely necessary for our long-term well-being. Now, let's learn how to take things from powerless to powerful. Hello, and welcome back to the My Health and Safety podcast. I'm Tamara masevich Healy, but you may call me Tammy. Today is a very exciting podcast episode about hazards. Woo! <laughs> I could almost feel the eye rolls happening as I'm recording this. Now, I know most people don't get enthusiastic over discussions around hazards, And that's unfortunate because hazards and how to assess them is actually rather interesting and extremely pertinent and useful for each of us to understand and learning about hazards, how to assess their risk and then optimally control for them is a skill that requires practice, collaboration, open-mindedness, exploration and creativity. Wow, I made that sound pretty great, didn't I? (laughs) Well, let's get into some more then. To get started, let's define hazard. In the simplest of definitions, a hazard is a potential source of harm. This could be harm to a person, property, or material, or the environment. A potential source of harm. All right. Well, the more we dwell on our surroundings, the more we'll realize we're surrounded by potential sources of harm. The knives in my kitchen, the gas burning stove, the stairs, the chemical products, the ladder I use, the car I drive, riding my mountain bike, my dog, and oh my goodness, even my toddler. (laughs) The list is endless. What do I do? Should I eliminate them to rid all potential hazards from my life? Well, now that'd be ridiculous and honestly near impossible. Plus, I plan to keep my toddler even if he does headbutt me in the face from time to time. (laughs) My son is my entire world, and just because he can be a potential source of harm definitely doesn't mean I want to eliminate him from my life. However, there are some controls I can put in place to help control the (laughs) headbutting, like education, training, some deep breathing exercises, and if necessary, discipline which are all administrative controls. And if that doesn't work, there is always personal protective equipment, right? (laughs) But really, hazards are all around us. And I'm here to tell you that's okay, because the important factor to be assessed when it comes to a hazard is its level of risk. However, we're going to explore hazards a little bit further before making the transition to risk because we can't assess the risk until we've identified the hazard. Now we've defined hazard as a potential source of harm, but that feels a bit overwhelming because as we've already discussed, there are a lot of potential sources of harm. So how can we organize our hazards to better identify and address them? Where do we begin? Well, at MyHS Alliance, we like to break hazards down into eight types. However, different organizations break them down into a variety of categories, generally between four to eight in total. We decided on an eight category breakdown, because we feel it's the most comprehensive when considering hazard types. And we also got the best employee feedback around it and really wanted a breakdown um, that felt understandable and comfortable for them. So here they are. The eight hazard types MyHS Alliance uses are one, biological hazards, two, chemical hazards, three ergonomic hazards, four fire hazards, five health hazards, six psychosocial hazards, seven physical hazards, and eight safety hazards. Now let's go through each of them briefly to ensure clarity around what they are and what they include. One, Biological hazards. Biological hazards can be bacteria, viruses, fungi, parasites, plants, animals, and even humans. A couple specific examples would be human blood in a medical setting, the coronavirus, and those carrying it, salmonella-contaminated food, black mold in your basement, ticks, mosquitoes, poison ivy, or even certain snakes and bears. (laughs) Two, chemical hazards. Chemical hazards are solids, liquids, gases, vapors, aerosols, fumes, and dusts with their associated health and physiochemical hazards. Every chemical and its associated hazards needs to be reported in their safety data sheet also known as their SDS document or previously known as the MSDS document. The SDS includes information such as the properties of each chemical, the physical health and environmental hazards, protective measures and safety precautions for handling, storing and transporting the chemical. Basically, this document provides all critical safety data surrounding that specific chemical product. It's just important to note that although something may be quickly labeled as a chemical hazard to us, each chemical is much more complicated and needs to be further assessed for its unique physical health and environmental concerns. Some chemical hazard examples include gasoline, carbon monoxide, formaldehyde, bleach, dry ice, lead paint, asbestos, pesticides and welding fumes. Three, ergonomic hazards. Ergonomic hazards occur when the type of work, body position or working conditions put a strain on the body. Ergonomic hazards include things like repetitive movements, high force movements, working in awkward positions, poor posture, improper setup of the workstation, etc. A couple examples would be milking cows all day long, (laughs) excessive typing, demolishing walls with a sledgehammer, working in a confined space, being bent over a low workstation. My husband and I are currently remodeling a house to live in, and I've been scraping multiple layers of painted wallpaper off of walls for months. And I'm pretty confident I have tendonitis in my elbow from the excessive repetitive movement and pressure used in scraping all the wallpaper off of the plaster. So I'm actually trying to rest and heal that up now, (laughs) but it's a great example of a repetitive movement task. Four, fire hazards. Fire hazards are hazards that either involve the presence of heat, flame or sparks or can increase the probability that an uncontrolled fire will occur or increase the severity of a fire should one occur. Fire hazard examples are objects that generate heat, flame or sparks, flammable liquids and vapors, oxidizer chemicals, excessive combustible materials, dust buildup faulty electrical equipment, blocked fire extinguishers, broken sprinkler systems, and blocked emergency exits, etc. A couple more specific examples would be gasoline, space heaters, frayed cords, oil or grease buildup, static electricity, overloaded electrical circuits, burning cigarettes, and dryer lint in the laundry duct. So a lot of different fire hazard potential. Five health hazards, health hazards are substances, activities or conditions that have the potential to cause acute or chronic illness, injury or death. One may say that all of the hazard types listed here are health hazards, and you would be correct. However, we believe at MyHS Alliance that all hazard types here do not cover all health hazards. And that's why we've added it to our list to cover the hazards that have been slipping through the cracks in traditional workplace health and safety. Those additional health hazards would be things like poor diet and nutrition, poor hydration, poor cleanliness or sanitation, lack of restroom facilities, lack of movement, lack of rest, poor sleep, and poor employee health benefits. Six, psychosocial hazards. Psychosocial hazards are any factors that can have an impact on the psychological health or mental or emotional well-being of a person. Psychosocial hazards include things like shift work, heavy workload, Discrimination, low levels of control, low levels of support, threat of danger, bullying, stress, violence, and harassment. A couple specific examples would be third shift or rotating shift workers battling with sleep and wellness problems. Feeling burnt out from excessive workload or tight deadlines. Being bullied or harassed by coworkers or management or not feeling supported in your role to perform your job. These hazards have gone unidentified and uncontrolled within organizations for a long time. Honestly, it still doesn't get the amount of attention it needs in most workplaces, at least in the United States. But things are changing, and I hope you can be a part of that change. Seven physical hazards. Physical hazards are any factors within the environment that can harm the body with or without contact. This includes hazards like noise, radiation, magnetic fields, lasers, pressure extremes, temperature, vibration, and electricity. A couple specific examples would be working around loud equipment in a manufacturing facility, working around electrical equipment, working around the magnetic field of an MRI machine, the pressure changes when scuba diving in deep water, and vibration from a jackhammer. Eight. Our final hazard type, safety hazards. Safety hazards are any unsafe condition that can cause harm. And there are so many of these. Safety hazards include things like spills and other things that may cause slips, trips and falls, working from heights, sharp objects, moving parts, low light, confined spaces, forklifts and other powered industrial trucks, portable ladders and floor holes. A couple of specific examples would be cords running across a walkway, unleveled sidewalks, unguarded moving belts, low ceilings, improper scaffolding, and slippery wet floors. All right. And that is all eight hazard types. Biological, chemical, ergonomic, fire, health, psychosocial, physical, and safety. I hope you're starting to already feel more empowered over your hazard identification abilities. Now, although all eight of these hazard types are distinct, there is also some overlap between them. So don't worry about getting too caught up on which category your hazard falls into, if it seems to fit multiple categories. Simply choose the one which best represents the hazard you are describing, or classify it using multiple categories, if you think that applies best. An example of this may be vibration from a jackhammer. Vibration can be a physical hazard, but can also be considered an ergonomic hazard. The important thing is that you can identify hazards and understand the hazard enough to ensure that effective communication occurs to the appropriate people that can further assess the hazard, its risk, and how to best address it. So if your workplace or regulatory body organizes hazards a hazard types slightly differently, it's not a problem. You can still utilize this language around hazard types to communicate your concerns and see where it would best fit within your own breakdown. There are subcategories to all of these hazard types as we went through and some organizations may decide to pull them out and highlight them to simply give it more attention. If it is a high risk subcategory in your organization, That's actually what we did with fire hazards. They came up again and again. And although they would generally fall under the physical hazard type, employees were confused with where items like excessive combustible material would be placed and provided us with the feedback that pulling out fire hazards into its own category would be beneficial to them. So That's what we did. (laughs) Perhaps your workplace deals with a lot of confined space work. You may want to pull that specific hazard out from safety hazards to make a more elaborate checklist around it and assist in ease of use when reporting. Highlighting the most pertinent categories can aid in a smoother hazard identification process. So once again, don't worry if your workplace or regulatory bodies categorize them in a different way. What's most important is that you have a way to easily identify, organize and report them for yourself and your organization. If you happen to work in occupational health and safety, you may want to review how your organization categorizes hazards and if you have defined it in a way that best serves your employees and their unique exposure. Because really, these hazard types should serve as a guide to employees on what to keep a lookout for. Um, They should be utilized in trainings, inspections, standard operating procedures, near miss and incident reporting, and utilized in the language for everyday safety discussions. I also want to stress that this isn't some test where you're going to be marked right or wrong. This is simply a way to structure hazards so we can hone in on them easier and organize them and communicate and control them more efficiently. Remember, this isn't just to improve recognition of hazards in the workplace, but in your personal life as well. Improving upon our ability to identify hazards is the first step to creating a safer and healthier life for ourselves and others. Hazard identification is the first step in the risk assessment process. So having more employees empowered with knowledgeable eyes on the floor will only lead to a quicker identification process in a healthier and safer workplace. Well, now that we've improved our ability to identify and organize hazards, how do we know which ones we need to control for? Well, that all comes down to its level of risk, and that'll be our topic on the next episode. In the meantime, I recommend you write those eight hazard types down and literally walk around your house and see how many hazards you can find and what categories they fall into. This will be a great way to start priming your brain to pay attention to the hazards in your environment. I also recommend you do this at work of your immediate working environment. Recognize all potential hazards. Jot any concerning hazards down, their hazard type, and have a discussion about it with your manager. Perhaps you could prevent an injury. As we close up, I want to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I know some of these topics can get a little heavy, which is why we're going to be breaking them down into little bits. But they are so important to human health and safety and can really bring value to us as individuals and organizations. If you need assistance in reviewing the hazards within your work organization, how you structure them, or how you can better educate and involve your employees in the hazard identification process, please feel free to reach out to me directly or my HS Alliance, and we'll get something scheduled together. Finally, after our risk assessment micro series, which will be these next couple of episodes, we're going to be bringing on guests for some lighthearted health and safety conversations. So hopefully, we'll be able to learn to laugh and to grow together <laughs> until next time. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. All show notes and guest bios can be found on our website at myhealthandsafety.com That's M I health and We hope you enjoyed this episode and had at least one damn, that's good moment. You know, a moment in the discussion that just lit up those neurons in the brain. It may not be a whole new concept, but better clarity, visual, example, or tool to more effectively understand, communicate, or use on a concept. If you didn't have a damn that's good moment during this episode, well, then just damn. (laughs) Share your moments in the comments or on social media with us. We want to know what brings you the most value so we can strive to deliver more. If you enjoyed our content, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to our channel.